Blog Talk Radio. They don't give many, you know, why didn't I get that job? Recruiters don't say, right? And people always wonder why, okay? On my Facebook group last week, a recruiter explained why. Here's what she said. I used to give feedback, but so many people acted like Linda Blair in The Exorcist. I just got tired of it. I got tired of being covered with green pea soup. You know, I could be delivering gentle, helpful feedback and the nice candidate would suddenly become possessed almost immediately, she says. Okay, another recruiter says, I love the ones that start arguing with you. Like, that's totally going to make me change my mind. Another recruiter said, I used to do that, but I didn't want to debate. So now I just tell them that the client said they're not a good fit. And one guy said, yes, you should give feedback, but use the compliment sandwich format. Now, that's the most bogus, <laughs> the bogus thing. You say something positive, then you say something negative, and then you say something positive again. Like, they're going to swallow that. I liked your shoes, and they did reject you, but they really liked your hair as well. Okay? Yeah. That's going to satisfy somebody. No! It's like some girl telling you, yeah, she really likes you as a, a friend after you ask her out. <laughs> it's going to make you feel real good. Not. Anyway. Jerry, Jerry, what shall I say? The recruiting animal. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Jerry, for that wake up. Anyway. Uh, who do I want to else thing? I want to thank uh, staffingdebt.com. If you've got a collection, if you've got a, if you're a third-party agency recruiter, and somebody cheats you, <laughs> they tire your candidate and don't pay you. These guys specialize in doing collections for recruiters. The boss there was on the show about a month or two ago. I thought he was great, Wilson Cole. So staffingdebt.com. They also have backdoorhires.com, software that actually tells you. When you've been cheated, PCRecruiter.net. They are the Swiss Army knife of recruiting software. And in case you don't know what a Swiss Army knife is, it means they're highly customizable. They're flexible. They do everything. Okay? Honeit, H-O-N-E-I-T.com, the online interview technology. I'll tell you more about that in a few minutes. And Hire Tool, H-I-R-E-T-U-A-L.com, the super duper sourcing tool. And that's a perfect intro for our guest today because he's a super-duper sorcerer, <laughs> Glenn Gutmacher. Am I saying your name right, Glenn? Anything but Nutcracker is just fine. Okay. How do you say it? I go with the more German Gutmacher. Yeah, Gutmacher. Okay, that's what you want to be. <laughs> German. Okay. Okay. So for your Twitter, you've got two accounts. There's one is Gutmac and the other is Glenn Gutmacker. Which do you prefer? I prefer the first one, which I created originally. And the only reason I have a second one is because I accidentally created a repeating loop through some programmatic software once. Yeah, I'm not interested in that. Twitter. I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in that, okay? You just said, okay, Gutmac <laughs> is what you want. If you want to criticize Glenn during the show, and here's something else. He's fussy, but it's, I don't know, where where did your parents come up with two N's? Glenn, G-L-E-N. Did they plan just so you, everyone knows you're not Glenn Kathy? Is that the idea there? No, dude. One N means my total name would be 13 letters, and Mom thought that was unlucky. <laughs> 
<laughs> they want an intelligent son, and they're superstitious like that. Okay, you want to plug something. Go ahead. Now's your time. I was one of the original presenters at SourceCon back in 2007, and this year's edition is digital, but I think everyone should still go, particularly if you've never been to a sourcing conference before. If you think you're a great recruiter, but not necessarily a sourcer, you will learn a lot there. Okay, well, where, week, do they go to, where do they go to sign up? What's the website? SourceCon.com. Okay, and if they – hold on. If they can't figure it out – they don't deserve to be there, okay? That's a, if they've already given them sourcecon.com, okay? Okay? Are you ready? We're going to start the questions Let's now. Let's do it. Let me just see if anybody came here. I have to open. I have to open area code 619. Is that Kendra? Animal. Animal. Oh, Kendra! I'm okay. good, but I just want to say if there's only one reason to justify the price of sourcecon, that's to meet Glenn. And he is fabulous. He is, you will learn a ton, and I adore him. I respect him highly. Yeah, okay. I mean, did he pay you? <laughs> did he pay you to show up? You're not going to meet him. You know, like, are these sports I have con- met him. Okay, I, I didn't mean that. Okay, yeah, but they all like to hug. That's the impression. These sorcerers are very huggy, you know. They're not going to get that this time. I, don't, I, I know. I, I don't We'll have to do el- we'll have to do virtual elbow bumps or something. But hi, Glenn. Here's nice something. To- nice- yeah. Go, nice okay, Glenn, you got a fan. You got a fan here. Okay. That's here's right. something I That's found interesting. Glenn gives out advice advice on Quora about how do I get a meeting with a billionaire. Okay. If you want to do business with a billionaire, he's. Oh, hold on. Who's giving me that? Is that Kathy? Is that you already it screwing must up? Be. The- Why don't you mute me, please? Okay, I'll I'll come back, though, in case you're still here. Okay, I'm going to put you on hold. Okay, so he gives out advice on how to meet with a billionaire. It's kind of a trick answer, though. Go ahead, Glenn. You remember what you said? I do not, so please share. (laughs) You don't? He's all over Cora. I don't know why. I think maybe just, you know, to be popular. He says, look. Don't meet with the billionaire. They've got at least one organization under them that's very large. And, you know, look for some people one to three levels down. Okay, you want to – here's he says, I'm going to tell you how to get a meeting with a billionaire, and the answer is don't even try. Am I right about that, Glenn? That's what you say. It's a trick answer. Yeah, I, I agree. Make friends with people at a level where you can make an impact, and then I think that will bubble up to the head guy eventually. Yeah, if you're lucky. Okay. Okay, look, is this true? I mean, these are one. we hear all these stuff over and over again, and you never, nobody ever tests it to see if it's true. I've always been told that A players refer A players, and B players refer C players, or, or sometimes it's a different version. A players hire A players, B players hire B players, and players never get to hire is that true you know if you bring in uh go ahead it's true to the extent that if you're secure about your own self and your performance then you're more likely to bring on other people that are equally good or better because you're not threatened so you would assume that if you are an a player yourself then you're more likely to be one of those okay. self-confident Okay, so if you make people. a conditional like that, if the person's got a secure personality or a professional identity, then, then it's not you, – you can't generalize like that. You're saying something completely different, okay? If someone's very good technically, what you just said, they're not necessarily going to hire somebody as good as them or better unless they uh, don't have any personality problems. Okay, here's another question. Correct. Do do Amazon, Facebook, Microsoft, and Google suck up the best people because of their deep pockets? Uh, I think if you are facing competing offers with a candidate and they're against you, you're probably going to lose in most cases. So, mm-hmm. sure, that's part of it. Okay. Hiring, uh, these are little quickies for warm-ups. If you don't like them, just tell me. If the hiring manager – and the, but these are real things what people talk about. If the hiring manager wants to know the candidate's last salary, what should the recruiter say? The employer wants to know the candidate's salary? 
The last uh, salary, it's a big issue now. It's illegal in some places. I think it's illegal in Massachusetts where you are, or New York for sure. You can't ask the candidate, what are you earning now? Or what oh, were you earning phone when you were working? What? Right. You only ask about desired compensation for yeah, sure. Okay. But the hiring manager wants to know. He says, Glenn, before I see this person, I want to know what they're earning. What are you going to say? Well, in our place, we wouldn't submit somebody who's way out of range. Maybe they're How do you at know? the top of the How range. How do you know? Okay, you ask them what they uh, want, right? But the hiring manager yeah. might, might want to know what they're earning now. Don't dodge the question, okay? Answer the question I'm asking. <laughs> don't make it like with that billionaire thing where I'm going to tell you how to meet a billionaire, and then you say don't. Okay, that's not what I'm asking you now. I want to know. The, the hiring manager says, Glenn, what's she earning? What do you say? Yeah, I think that's going to bias the process, so I'm not telling you. Okay, I I'll know what you're going to Okay, you, you don't want to say that. The, the right answer is, I'm not telling you, hiring manager, okay? Is that what you're saying you would tell the hiring manager? You're not getting that information. Is, is that well, what you're saying? Again, I'm not, usually, I'm not the primary recruiter. I'm the sourcer, so I don't typically – I'm not in that situation very oh, often. Oh, cop out, cop out. Uh, Phil from London, did you want to say something? Is, is someone else talking there? Yeah, no, that was no? me. So you would say to the hiring manager – I can't tell you what he's earning, but I can tell you that I've to- I've asked him the package that we're offering. Is that good for him? Is that a big improvement? Is that a sideways or a backwards improvement? And yeah, that's what okay. you need to so, hey, you yeah, In other words, you, 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 you just yeah. you say, yeah, I'm, you, never, you never use okay. these words, I'm not going to tell you, or I didn't ask the candidate. Kathy, do you oh, have you an answer say, to that question? Can, Kathy, you do you want to say something I before I move on? Okay. No, I just yeah. agree with 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 um, the responses that you've gotten so far because you can't ask them. Yes, you but can. It's legal. Like how, it's I'm legal. Sorry, the guy, the guy with um, I'm sorry, the guy with the accent. I like the way that he uh, presented it. Whether the package yeah. would be okay. with you that know, classy accent. Okay, you're yeah. going back on hold, Kathy. You're you're back on hold. Let's you, move you on. You're the ones okay. with the accents. Yeah, yeah, I got the message. Okay, okay, uh, Glenn. Here's another one you hire, answered on Quora. Are there months during which cam- candidates are more likely to hire? Are recruiters going to do better business during certain months? Yeah, I think there's a natural tendency among candidates to reevaluate their career status over the holidays. Um, if you're Jewish, you might actually even be doing it right now because this is the new year and you're thinking about your future. Birthdays are another popular time to uh, reevaluate. So I would go after any of those. You doing that? Hold on a second. Wait a second. This isn't the candidate we're talking about. It's the company. Are companies more likely to hire during certain months? Do you want, to, want me to tell you what you said on, on Quora? Do I have to remind you again? <laughs> Dude, I haven't posted on Quora in a long time. So, yes, you're That's not right. true. Posted in August, okay? Here's what he said. He said there are three months when companies are, are more uh, likely to hire, but there's a trick. They'll, they, they might not be able to bring you on board until they have the money. So they actually might start looking you know, in September, but not really want to bring anybody on until the new year or something like that. Okay, here, Glenn, right, then now we'll get to a got... source of stuff. What? But that's important because you want to – know when the bonus cycle is paid out at that company because they will want to collect that before their start date with you. So you just have to be aware of that timing. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I'm losing you. Okay. I don't feel I'm, I'm connecting with you. Okay. And I'm very happy you're here. Okay. Here's a question I hope you, you're going to get excited about. Okay. What is a recruiter for? Doesn't the sorcerer do the real recruiting, they find the person, they do the screen, they say, this is a qualified candidate, and then they hand it over to the recruiter. Oh, what does the recruiter do? Just talk to the hiring manager? Is that it? The recruiter's more of a bully, and they, and they can put the hiring manager in her place? What does a recruiter do that adds value? Well, I can't speak about every company, but certainly at ours, um, they have pretty wide awareness of various roles that a candidate skill set might be applicable for. So when one of my sourcers turns over a candidate, 
it may actually be a better match for something else that the sorcerer is not aware of. So we do trust the recruiter to make those matches. Okay, that sounds like still like a, a lightweight responsibility. <laughs> it really does. He's not going the recruiter. She's not going out and finding the people, which is the hard part, then doing the initial connect again, doing the screen, qualifying them. Why, are, why is there a recruiter? It's a waste of time. Although, again, maybe it's someone who can push the hiring manager around, uh, push the candidate around. Do you have anything else to add to that? No, I think those are the roles, but I wouldn't diminish the value of those. I think they're very important. Okay. Okay. So it's a, a tougher personality than the uh, introverted uh, uh, sorcerer. Is that what you're saying? Although I don't think a sorcerer has to be introverted to be successful, but I agree that it's more likely for recruiters to be extroverted and sorcerers introverted. Okay, okay. let's grade the show so far. How, these questions aren't turning you on, are they? Show me on a scale of one to ten. Ten, you're ecstatic. These are just the questions you want to answer, and and uh, any number of a below that. Give me a score, okay? Um, I'm going to go with two pi. <laughs> Okay. Uh, sourcing advice to newbies. You actually get on, I, you know, at core, I thought that's what you'd like. You gave some advice to newbie uh, sourcers. Do you want me to read it or do you remember what you said? <laughs> I'm sure that's years ago. So, no, you'll, you can go ahead. Okay, you said type sourcing Boolean tutorial in Google search. <laughs> type sourcing Boolean tutorial in Google search. Watch the free videos and read the step-by-step -step blog posts. There's a lot to learn. Uh, okay, and blah, blah, blah. So it, it's that simple, though. You, you would give the same advice today, wouldn't you? Just put sourcing Boolean tutorial in Google. Is that right? Well, there's so much out there now. Uh that I think you can actually learn a lot that way, but I do want to make sure that you have the fundamental qualities of what makes for a strong sourcer first. Which are? Can we go into that? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So curiosity. You, you've got to be someone who just who likes isn't curious? new stuff. Who isn't curious? No, I mean, I mean to an almost obsessive level because you've got to be willing to dig in those different things that you find and make some mental leaps to connect disparate pieces next, of data. Next, Okay, next. <laughs> How do you tell if someone's curious? Let me ask you that. Okay, let's take that. How do you tell if someone's curious? So I will ask them about something completely new that they had to learn and ask how they went about learning it. And hopefully they will share some creative methods for getting up to speed. Give me an example of, of, a, of a, uh, an answer you've got to that question. So someone may be forced to learn how to deal with online learning, and that was not their modality up to COVID. So that's pretty common, I guess. And in those circumstances, I, I want to see them um, either talking to people that went through that transition. I want them to search for Article. Okay, I'm moving, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I'm wrecking this show. I, I'll take responsibility. <laughs> when was the last time you could not find a suitable candidate? Um, so the, you can always find suitable candidates, but does the hiring manager think they're suitable? And that's the problem is this 80-20 thing where I know I can find someone who's 80% qualified against your specs, and I think they should be able to learn the remaining 20% on the job, but some hiring managers will push back on that. Now, how do you how do you put the manager hiring manager in her place when she's when she's saying she wants a perfect candidate? So this happens a lot nowadays, where diverse candidate slates are becoming a requirement. So I may 
if, if I'm supposed to find someone who's within salary range, then I'm not going to be able to get somebody who's already doing that job and is a superstar because there's no stretch for them to take this role because they're already doing it. I'd want to pick somebody who's, you know, a half or one step down from that job level who will see that as role as an interesting challenge and they're going to be more affordable. And if they're going to be diverse, then uh, even better. Okay, why why but, why does this become more relevant to, during diversity? You just said any job. It sounds like you just said any job is going to be uh, of more interest to people who for whom it's a step up. They don't have everything. That's who a job is going to attract. People who don't have everything. If they got everything, why would they want to take that job? It's it's like a lateral move for them. So why are you saying it's of particular interest for? Hold on, can we? I've been scolded by this woman on my group. If I say diverse candidate, she gets mad. If I say diversity candidate, she gets mad. Even though everyone knows what I mean, is there something wrong with those terms? Well, then I guess you're going to have to criticize the U.S. government because they use the terminology as well. Oh boy, I got you've got to give me the source so I can. Slam those into the comments and say, "Here, live with it, baby." Okay. So back to your back to the question. Thank you, Glenn. Go ahead. So yeah, this twenty percent gap, I agree, is true for anybody who's one level down. But if your goal is to increase consideration of diverse candidates, then it's going to be happening an increasing amount with. Those diverse candidates. Who Why are the diverse candidates less skilled generally than uh, other candidates? No, no, no. If, if anything, a diverse candidate who's fully qualified for a role is probably being hounded with multiple job offers. They're going to be one of the most expensive people to get. Uh huh. So why did you bring it up now? Because I think every company now is facing increasing scrutiny around their diversity interviewing and hiring practices and I want to remind them okay. that this you know, 80% is a great opportunity to increase that diversity. Okay. Now you actually put this into your service level agreement for, you know, uh right with with the uh you're dealing with sourcers and the sourcers they don't hand off their work to a hiring manager directly. They hand it off to recruiters, right? So you have a service level agreement, right? And and one of the things yes. is uh, that the conflicts are usually caused when, I don't know if it's the hiring manager or the recruiter, it's just like you said, too picky. An 80% match is, is, is you're not saying it's just good enough, it's, it's best, right? Yeah, I think you want to have that stretch opportunity as an appealing aspect of the role. Uh, uh-huh. And we So how do you get the recruiter or the hiring record. manager to agree with you about that? Glenn, don't, I don't want someone who's second best. I want someone who's got everything I want. Okay, what are you going to say? And I can say that that person will have everything you want once they've been on the job for a little while, but you've got to be open to the fact that having everything when they come in the door is going to be prohibitively expensive and be a much longer search to find the person who wants that position. Mm. And how, how successful are you are selling that idea? And do you deliver it in the same even temper that you're, you're using on me? Or, or do you get a bit excited and say, look, pal, I want you to recognize the truth. This is what it's like. You're in your ivory tower. I'm in the front lines. Do you put it to them like that, a little heavy-handed, so it has an impact? Yeah, I'm willing to push it because I know that that's the direction the company wants to go. We have diversity goals in place. They're publicly stated. We have a CEO who's even said at a company town hall that we should be interviewing these 80% candidates. And so I, yeah, I don't know why you keep, if, if, if it's leaders. generally a good practice to hire people with 80%, I don't know why you keep referring to diversity candidates, but I'm going to let that pass. I'm just going to go through your other stuff. You also say uh, for each candidate, the sourcers have to submit uh, a resume phone screen notes, and they have to cover these topics. Is the person qualified? I assume that's technically. Are they interested? Are they available? And are they affordable? Those are the key issues you want, okay? And then the recruiter that your sorcerer is handing the stuff on to has to reject or accept 
every candidate in two business days. What happens if uh, the recruiter doesn't get back to you in two days? Well, the sourcer and recruiter are in pretty regular contact during an assigned search. So I think they will probably have checked in with them anyway uh, if it slipped their mind or um, they were busy with other stuff. Sometimes they're so that's just on a hypothetical, but it's not a, it's not a real issue then. Okay. It hasn't been okay. a problem. No. Okay. But you say as well, if they reject someone, they've got to give you good feedback. Yes. These recruiters who just tell you, no, we're not proceeding. That's not enough. That doesn't make you a better sourcer because you don't know what it is that was missing. So you can search better the next time. Mm. Okay. And then you track the ratio between candidates the recruiter accepts and candidates that the hiring manager actually interviews. So you're looking to see if something goes wrong between the recruiter and the hiring manager. Am am I right about that? In other words, you you track the number of candidates, good candidates, to interview. Is that right? Yeah, you could have fall off at any stage in the candidate journey, but I find the biggest one – that affects sourcers is that drop off between recruiter accept and hiring manager interview. And there's lots Uh of things that can cause that drop off, but that's usually what sinks a good sourcer. Okay. Okay. I'm going to do an ad and I want you to think about what, what kind of topic would excite you? I'm missing. I'm I'm so happy to have you here. I want you to come back already, uh, but I'm not going to get you back here unless we talk about something that's of interest to you. Okay. So first I'm going to talk about Honeit, H-O-N-E-I-T.com. Honeit is online interview technology. You and the candidate get on the Internet together and talk, and it records your whole interview. It does it in audio, does it in video, and it supplies a searchable transcript. Not only that, when you get to the key questions, you press a button. When you finish talking about that issue, you press another button. It creates a little clip. You send it to the hiring manager. She can listen to the candidate in her own words, with her own uh, emotions, uh, reflecting her passion for whatever it is that's most important in this job. Okay? And not only that, hire tool, H-I-R-E-T-U-A-L.com. It is the super-duper sourcing tool. Every sourcer, I'm going to speak for Glenn, every sourcer always talks about it when there's a discussion on Facebook. Uh, What are the good sourcing tools? Tools, always one of the sourcing tools that everybody is enthusiastic about. Okay, Glenn, what do you want to talk about? Oh, let me check with Kathy first. Maybe she's got a a, a question. Kathy, is there something you want to say? Kathy? No, I'm going to have to leave early, unfortunately. Okay. um, Kathy, Kathy, I am just happy... I'm happy that you're doing well, okay? I'm happy that you're doing well and that your kids are doing well, okay? Okay? Thank you. You take care. Okay. Bye. Phil, Phil, is there something you want to talk about? Phil, do you have a question? You've got the super sourcer here, okay? No? Falling asleep? Okay. Back to you, Glenn. Let's talk about the the evolution because when you mention things like hire tool, you know, I'm thinking back to – the pre-millennium when sourcing online was new, we called it internet recruiting back then and everything was extremely manual, but the methods that we used even back then in the nineties still work today just for, with very slight tweaks. So I think the people who learned how to do online sourcing back then uh, are well equipped today. And I actually feel bad for, some of the younger sourcers who just feel like they can rely on a tool to do their job and that they're going to be effective because they don't have the other fundamentals. Example, that's the name of the game on this show. What are you talking about, really? Well, I don't know. Well, let's let's look at things like hire tool, right? If, if that's the only thing you use, or maybe it's that in LinkedIn or something else, you know, do you really know what to do when you get a hard-to-fill search where like, the candidates like, you want like, don't – Like, like, <laughs> like. Give me an really, example. You could have a really narrow kind of online footprint job, like cleared candidates with a very narrow skill set. Um, those people just – you can't just go search for people with TSSCI 
you know, in Fort Meade and expect to find a bunch of LinkedIn results or even higher tool results. It doesn't happen. Did Matt Charney say on Twitter once that uh, anybody with a seventh grade education could do sourcing? Yeah, well, his posts generally piss me off, so I'm glad you brought him up. Um, <laughs> so you don't agree with that? No. I, well, only to the extent that you do need to be self-motivated to want to keep learning. That's the curiosity part we mentioned earlier that makes for great sourcers. But there's still plenty of material available that if you are taught it, or you somehow get it in a way that is more efficient than trying to hunt for everything on your How own. How many hours you do you have to put into learning in order to become a good sourcer? Uh, I think the good versus great is an important distinction, but good, I would say you probably can get there with a thousand hours of a combined learning hours? on the job. A thousand hours learning on the job. I mean studying. If I, if it's now September, if I want to become a pretty good sourcer uh, by the end of the year, how much time do I have to put in? Studying, not working. Go, studying. Well, I think you have to put it in practice to make it useful. I mean, well, you know, you're going through a, a Shally's book or Irina's books or, or courses or something like that. I mean. You're probably trying stuff, so let's just assume they go together. How many hours? Okay, you don't want to answer that question, right? Okay, let me ask you another no, question. It's... Coming back to the curi- oh, coming back to curiosity. Do you ever use personality assessments? Do you like them? The online tools I've seen, I think, are not quite there, but I haven't paid for the super duper versions that I believe are out there. You know what? We uh, had uh, Thomas Shamoro Premizich on the show a couple of times. He said for a hundred bucks you can do it get a pretty good test. And like he used to be a VP at, at Hogan Assessments. So is that a test for one particular job function? Well that's for the person's overall personality, uh and their I, I don't know, their I've never done a test, so their inclinations I guess you'd certainly uh op- Openness, you know, the big five personality traits, what you're looking is for someone who's open, right? You're familiar with that? Yeah, I think that's right. I I know generally where you're going with that. I just – I don't think one assessment is going to tell you enough about the person. You want to know what is the personality mix of the top ten people in that job function at your firm – and then compare that with the candidate. If you have a way to scale that, and I know there are vendor tools that do that kind of assessment, I think that's the way to go. Uh huh. Okay. What are your ten personality traits that, or whatever traits you're talking about? Since uh, we're going to give you credit for being a super sourcer, okay? Uh, what are your traits that you would want to see replicated in somebody else? So yeah, I think it is that stick-to-itiveness. It's and the curiosity, it's also the well, ability well, When you to, were five years old, did you take apart clocks just to see if you were able to put them back together again? I mean, what indicators uh, from your background would say, this guy's especially curious? Yeah, I, I actually was that kind of kid, although I probably did it uh, more with um, Legos and popular mechanics kinds of uh, stuff. Um, but, yeah, you you've just got to be someone who doesn't mind spending hours until they figure something out uh and not everyone has that dedication level yeah i i just find that i can't figure out you know if someone's that kind of person unless i hire them and see whether they're doing it or not i don't know how you can assess that in advance it's it's you haven't given me any good uh good basis for for doing that okay well, what about automation? Hold on. Talking about higher tool. Hold on. Uh, talking about higher tool. What about this automation threat? Do you think AI, I'm reading somebody else's question, is going to make uh, the sourcer extinct? Well, no, because as I said. I Hi, Jerry. Jerry's item. open. Go ahead. Man, this is boring. Yeah, you're, you're open. Yeah, well, you ask yeah, him a thanks. question, okay? I, I, I'm not a sorcerer. I, I, I'm falling down I just, on the job, Jerry. That's what your job is here to ask him questions. Who is, okay? who is our guest today, Animal? Glenn Goopmacker. I, I, come on. I, I he's he's a fantastic sorcerer. 
senior VP. I'm sorry if you if you can't really hear me. I'm I'm at the pool at Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas. Yeah, well, we're having and some trouble. Out, There's a lot of background noise. Yeah, okay, maybe pool, I should put you, you on hold. On. Maybe I should put you on hold. Okay. Yeah, hi, Glenn. Well, this we... show sucks, though. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Thanks. I, th- I accept responsibility. But, Jerry, yeah, you don't even show up till halfway through the show, and then you say I'm at the pool. I can't help out, okay? And then you go on know, Facebook but... and say it's your show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> and I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna do it again. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm putting gonna, you on hold. I'm, yeah, Glenn, he's got too much noise there. I like Jerry. I think he adds a lot to the show, but not today. Okay, automation. Quick answer. I got to do an ad. It's fine for the common roles. It will definitely add value and save a lot of time. But there's still tougher kinds of searches where sourcing skills will be required. Okay, if they have better technology, if it's getting better all the time, what percentage of your staff do you think you could cut if you just need the people who can do the really special stuff? Um, Compared to today, I'd say probably a quarter will disappear, but they will potentially move into other kinds of roles where more engagement is needed because now you're Uh going to have a higher volume of leads coming in, but someone's still got to assess it. And I don't think chatbots do that as well as we need to yet. Okay. Okay. These are the questions I'm going to ask you after I do this ad. How did you become interested? How did you become interested in your field? What experience helped you develop the skills needed to excel in it? And what are the key principles for success in this field? I think you've already stressed curiosity. I, I copied this from somewhere. Okay. An article. Uh, how to get to know someone really quickly. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> curiosity, you've said it a few times already, but so, so how did you get interested and what experience helped you develop the skills you need? First, I'm going to do some ads for PC Recruiter, our good friend, Marty Snyder. He's over there as the boss, okay? And he always says it's a Swiss Army knife of recruiting software. That means it's customizable. They don't impose any kind of workflow or structure on you. You configure the software yourself. If you're afraid to do it, they'll help you, right? And it doesn't matter if you're uh, at a kitchen table or in the basement of your mom's house or, you know, it doesn't, or the garage. They will help you even if you're a nobody or if you're part of a big team, okay? PCRecruiter.net. And then there's Honeit, the online interview technology. It records your interviews, audio, video, full transcript, and you can create clips. Hire tool, H-I-R-E-T-U-A-L.com, the super-duper sourcing tool that's going to put, you just heard it, 25% of Glenn's staff out of work. I hope they're not listening to the show. And uh, finally, who's my other? Staffingdebt.com. If someone cheats you and you're a third-party agency recruiter, they're going to get your money for you. Okay, back to you, Glenn. How did you get interested in your field? Glenn... Went to Yale, okay? Everybody has to know that. He's a smart guy. How did you get interested in this? So I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think to succeed at a top college, right, you've got to have really strong research skills, study skills, be able to do a high volume of work. So all of that, I think, contributes to the kinds of things we need to do as sourcers. Uh, and of course, I also hold on, Glenn. From Wait a second. A- I'm going yeah. to claim that you're probably the only sorcerer in the world who went to Yale, and maybe the only sorcerer in the world who went to an Ivy League school. Okay? Do you think that's probably true? <laughs> no, there are definitely others, but who else? Who else? Come on, name it. Who? You don't know anybody. <laughs> I got to tell. What's hold on a second? Irina is a professional mathematician. Okay, maybe her. Right. Okay, it's really not hard. You can go on LinkedIn now, search for sorcerer in the job title field, and type Cornell or any of the other Ivies in the school field, and you'll see results. Yeah? You you can't name one. I came up with something. What about you? Come on. You can't name it. You're making a claim that you can't support. But anyway, let's move on. Okay, so you going to this college, uh, uh, it's, that's proof that you've got the traits required. Uh, how did you get into the field? Like anyone else, uh, you can't major in it at Yale. So it was when I arrived at 
a newspaper chain in 96 and they were starting their online properties. They were trying to convert all of those sections of the newspaper into internet and the help wanted section, of course, lent itself to an online tool. Back then, the only other things around, I think, were online career center and monster. So we were the first newspaper chain on the uh, East coast to do it. And, um, that was my job is to partner with entities for the resume database functionality, the job posting functionality, and marry it together with some content. And when I was doing that, all of our print advertisers for Help Wanted were saying, okay, this is interesting. We'll try it out. We know you. We know Monster. What else can we do? And that's when my research skills kicked in. I said, hmm, what else can we do online to help recruiters and companies? And that's uh, when I discovered that you can do Boolean search on search engines. Of course, this was pre-Google, so we were using things like AltaVista to find people, but a lot of the same methods that we used back then for Boolean work today. Uh-huh. And when did you meet Shally? Because he, he was doing this around the same time as you, right? He was, yeah. I, I turned my learnings into an, a course that I offered at the newspaper company, we sold seats to it, actually, and became a standalone product. He was doing training for corporations, and we both had e-newsletters that we were sending out in the late 90s to tell people about, you know, Internet recruiting, as we called it then. So we became online correspondents, but it wasn't until 2005 when Walmart corporate asked me to come down to Bentonville to train their recruiting team on sourcing that I realized this was going to be too big a job because there were 70 people to train. So I asked Shally, who was also a good phone sourcing trainer, whereas I was only really an online trainer at the time. I said, can we split this up where you'll take half the group and I'll take the other half of the group and we'll swap at the midpoint. You'll do the phone methods. I'll do the online methods. And as it turned out, he, um, leverage that as an audition for me uh, to bring me on to his sourcing team that he was forming at Microsoft. So I ended up uh, joining Microsoft full-time under him shortly after. Okay, and he was working for Rob, right? Yeah, so we all rolled up to Rob McIntosh, who I think many people know. I've since had the opportunity to work for him uh, again when he was the head of recruiting at Avanade which is my job before my current State Street role. So, yeah, it's, uh, those connections definitely have paid off over time. And Jim Stroud was on that uh, uh, Microsoft team as well, right? He was. We had some superstars back then. So Jim and I uh -huh. were both the online researchers. We had phone sourcers we fed our leads to. They had people who shopped the candidates to the recruiting And who else teams. was there? Was uh, well, Ronnie Bratcher there? Was Ronnie there? No, Ronnie wasn't there, but the very first Ayers trainer, uh, Otis Collier, was uh, on our team. He's a pretty famous, or was a famous name back then. He's kind of moved on. Um, so I'm not sure who else you all would know okay, from that Okay, so, so uh, was, that, was that the first, at Microsoft, was that the first Internet sourcing team in the world? No, no, there were definitely others but it was which one ones who using where who <laughs> no microsoft had it before so there's a guy named eric jayquith who actually did oh, yeah. the initial training of the sorcerers at microsoft in the early oos um and he's fabulous i mean still a, a very leading light yeah i've always heard of people today. raving about him he lives in atlanta right okay so shally didn't initiate uh the sourcing team at microsoft eric did right well, I don't, he was more – Eric was brought on as a consultant, but they did a reboot when they decided to centralize the sourcing model globally under Rob and Shally. So that was uh -huh. the first yeah. time yeah. You they see how I'm, having, I'm having a fight with you a bit to get the info? Let me ask this question <laughs> again, okay? Was that the first full-fledged online sourcing team in the world? I doubt it because – People had been trying I'm going to make it your mission. I'm going to make it your mission to find out, okay? I'm going to ask the question online, but I want you to research it as well, okay? Uh, you don't have right. to, well, but I'll leave it with you, well, okay? I, 
hey, I know all the original trainers. Back then, it was you could count them on one hand. It was Barbara Ling, Jerry Crispin, Shally, uh, Brett Hollander, and Judy West. And there was, that was pretty much it, training people on, on sourcing. So the companies that they helped develop probably had the first teams. Uh, you know, which one was as full-fledged a model as Microsoft? Um, I don't know. I guess Shally might claim Cisco was because he was there uh, before Microsoft. And he also, uh, I think he did stints at Google as well. So, yeah, I'll do some digging. I'll get you an answer. Okay. What about this statement? LinkedIn has created a generation of helpless, namby-pamby recruiters. You, you sort well, of said we, that yourself. You said yeah, kind of the same thing that. in a more modest way just a few minutes ago. I mean, if anyone is using LinkedIn as their only crutch, then they're really shooting themselves in the foot because you cannot find everybody that you need for all the tough searches that are out there. You'll, you'll just miss people because the online footprint provided by LinkedIn is not complete for many people. What percentage of candidates that people are looking for are not findable online with Boolean searches and stuff like that? I guess I would say if you use the definition that Maureen Sharib and some of the other top phone sources. Well, you know, Maureen, <laughs> she's got an ax to grind with this. Go ahead though. Yeah. Cause I, she will call into a company and she can probably find twice as many names that she was not able to find searching online. And I think that's probably true. So when you run online searches, wait a second, about, wait a second. You said that she was not able to find, she's not a trained internet sourcer. What about that? You or Shally is able to find, okay. Or Jim or, or one of these super sourcers. Uh, how, uh, you're saying that half you're only accessing half of the uh, appropriate people. You're missing that many people, 50%? Yeah, well, to do a really exhaustive search is not cost or time efficient, right? You, it's diminishing returns after I get the first 30 to 40%. You know, to get the next 30% is going to be... Okay, you know, so in other words, yeah, in, in, in other words, you're, you're stating that you're, you're, yeah, you're telling me the obvious, right, that I didn't take into account when I made my statement. You're saying you don't really have to do such a big search to get the number of people you need. You don't have to access everybody in the world who can do X, Y, Z. You only need 10% of them maybe, right? Is that, is that what you're telling me? Well, the more niche the search, then the more effort you'll have to put in to get the critical mass. I mean, if, you, if your company says we must have an interview slate of five candidates, that may be really easy for some roles, but very tough for others. Uh-huh. Okay. This woman said that she refused to do an high, a higher view interview. For instance, you go online and you answer questions, and uh, the uh, webcam apparently has uh, AI. Their software has AI, and it analyzes your uh, uh, facial expressions, but apparently it's not really good with uh, dark skin maybe because of a lack of contrast or something like that. So she refused twice to, uh, to be interviewed that way. Do you think she was right or wrong? Uh, and if you think you're, you're in you know, dangerous territory by making a comment there, just say, look, I, I want to pass on that because you know, I would respect well, that. Well, I will say, no, in general, face recognition technology is not that advanced. So we've had some really bad situations where search results – based on faces are giving you some really bad matches. Like it's, it's mislabeling the gender. It's mislabeling race and ethnicity. Uh, there were even some examples uh, only a few years ago where it was mixing different animal species faces in with human face results. I mean, it, it was awful. Yeah, you're talking about something different, okay? Because uh, that's a search where they're bringing back animals. This is where they're you're talking to a camera and it's analyzing. You know, I don't know what. Uh, are you telling the truth or what your personality is and stuff like that? But I'll take that as the same answer. You're saying it's not well, advanced well, enough, even I'm though they're is, selling it. 
No, you're talking about even more advanced technology than just face recognition being accurate. You're saying we have to get the expressions right, and I'm saying that's an even harder challenge, so of course there are going to be problems with that at this uh-huh. stage. Okay. Okay. Uh, here's a, a, a shally question. Uh, tell me uh, when you've had a difficult search that everyone was frustrated with, but you saved the day finding a great candidate. Did anything come to mind, a, a story like that? You can just say no. Um, yeah, I, I think it, it happens more with diversity searches. So I'm often called in when the slate is not fleshed out enough and they only have their folks that they know from 10 years ago. And those are unfortunately usually white guys. So if we want to get a diverse slate, we're going to have to do some extra research. They're not going to apply naturally. So I'm often able to find those qualified diverse candidates so that the hiring team is indeed. Why are you so good at it? What are you doing? What's your secret sauce? If you want to tell us. Uh, I think a lot of the methods out there that are easily adaptable, that'll get you the most bang for your buck, is searching for a wide list of women's first names. So whatever Uh country you're targeting, get a list of the popular girls' names from 30 years ago and do a big, long Boolean search in the first name field of LinkedIn. That's great for getting women. Um, For people of color, you can look, for example, at the HBCU uh, college names because that's going to be a mostly African-American list. You can look at women's colleges' names. There are for all the fraternities and sororities. There are a bunch that are just for Latinos or African-Americans and so on, so you can search on those terms. Yeah, i got to um, tell you, i got to tell you, Susie Tonini told me the same thing in 2007. So uh, you're go- going through these associations uh, and and the thing is, you're not worried that there's, you know, other people who didn't go to uh, a, a black university or join a, pro, a primarily black uh, uh, sorority or, or fraternity. That's supplying enough. You don't have to worry about the other people who are outside of these uh, specific identifiable, identifiable concentrations of certain people, right? That's that's what you're saying. No, I would love to find more people of color not at the schools that most people search on. That's what a good sourcer does is how else can I find them? Um, But I'm saying it will take more effort and you have to depend on tools like HireTool or their competitors where they've got diversity filters built in that help them show you those results. Uh, It's not perfect and there are false positive results, uh, but it's going to unearth people faster that you would have missed otherwise uh-huh ironically um uh, linkedin with the pictures uh does help in that regard pictures used to be considered taboo for uh because of discrimination right um and, and sometimes we would see people from other countries put them on their resumes and it was kind of shocking but now uh <laughs> it's, everybody's got their picture on linkedin and it might be something someone looking for a diverse candidate would uh would use okay well, of course, the, the, the pendulum's going Go the other way now. There are a lot of sourcing tools that are putting a cat photo instead of actual people photos just to level the playing field because you wouldn't want somebody with unconscious bias to skip over somebody who doesn't look like them and thus they think may not be as qualified. It's the same reason orchestras suddenly were able to hire far more women once they put a curtain between the Yeah, you know what? That might judge. be, uh, to tell you the truth, I know that comes from Malcolm Gladwell. Some of his stuff is being exposed as uh, booba mices to use the thing. I don't know if that's true. I've heard it uh, many times that uh, they weren't didn't have enough women. As soon as they, uh, people who were judging the players couldn't see who uh, they were judging, uh, the diversity quotient went up. Maybe it's true. Okay. Uh, well, you'd like see. to hope that if somebody has a resume and the name is LaShonda versus, you know, Laney, yeah. that you wouldn't think differently about it. You'd want to look at the whole resume first. But uh, you know I'm what? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you. Like I, I heard that uh, in the early part of the 20th century, there were a lot of uh, uh, ethnics who went into uh, education in New York City. Uh, They were the children of immigrants, and the reason they were successful was you had to write a test, and your name, there was no identifiable uh, 
uh, information about your ethnicity. It was uh, purely uh, on merit. The same same thing. This is uh, an old story. Okay, before we're done, I want to get your your input. Actually, I was I think I was going to start on this and I, I put it off. Um, everybody's arguing now about uh, compensation being linked to location, right? If, if Facebook, if you decide to move away from San Francisco, you have to tell you you know somebody there. Uh, that you're living in a cheaper place now, and they will uh, presumably downgrade your compensation uh, because they don't have to give you a bonus to live in an expensive uh, part of the world. Uh, it seems to me that's fair because you're still making the same net compensation. Well, some people think it's outrageous. What do you think? Uh, I know a lot of companies that have different market classifications. If you live in a certain city, that is known to require a slightly higher salary than a city that's known for lower cost of living. And so those salary offers will be automatically adjusted based on that location. So just the fact that you choose to move to that location after hire, uh, you know, why can't you retroactively put those same market rules in effect? Okay. Area code 815, uh, do you have the last question for uh, Glenn? Any interest? No, he's. You know, I was just going to mention. This is Ernie Moreno. Hey, hi, one, Ernie. One thing when you talk, when you talk about finding diversity candidates, the, I think the most obvious ones, especially for Hispanics, is if you write Spanish. A lot of people put Spanish on their on their background as a skill set, and you come yeah, up with but hold uh, on a second. A number of folks uh, okay, have hold that. on. Isn't the mayor isn't the mayor of Los Angeles supposedly a Hispanic, but he's really uh, a white guy, right? <laughs> I don't know. I Garcetti? No I mean, Garcetti? Isn't that his name? Take a look at his I picture. I mean, that could, I, sound I, it, it could sound Italian, too, which would not count as Hispanic. So, I, I look, you're going to get some false positives because it's how people self-identify. And this, frankly, has been a problem for many companies where you're pretty darn sure you've got a diverse candidate, but when they apply for the job, they self-identify and say, I decline you know, to list my race, ethnicity, even military service or disability. So we have no idea if they're diverse when you search the system. And unfortunately, the way the legal rules work, however they self-ID is how they must be treated as a candidate. So oh, really? No okay, so hold candidate. on. You can't Hold on. Let's say someone's got the name Ernie Marino, but they're really a, a white person, okay? Or they look white. I don't know. Uh, if they So, yeah, let's say he's Ernie Marino. He looks white. Uh, he maybe had one Hispanic, really, grandparent or something like that. Could, could he or, or uh, register himself then as a, a diversity candidate, and you would have to accept him? Is that? Yes, we brought that up with our own internal legal folks, and they've confirmed however they self-ID is how you must consider them. Uh-huh. Okay. And, you know, really? you know, the other part of it comes, comes from the fact that there are so many multiracial uh, folks these days, half black, half white, half Chinese, half this, half that, half Hispanic. It, it's, it's, uh, you're not, you're not one, one side or the other anymore. Uh-huh. That's more well, common than what it was. For, the good news for diversity Go ahead, counting is that someone who is multiracial would still count as diverse on the race ethnicity. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but 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 once they're only twenty five percent of the diverse category, then uh, they don't necessarily look like uh, that that race or that category of person. I don't know what uh, I can say without getting into any kind of <laughs> confusion. Okay. <laughs> Well, but, if, you uh, look, if you look at Hispanics, they're all the way from white all the way down to a dark complexion. Yeah, you it's know, all it, over the place. So that's, that's why exactly what I'm, I'm asking. If I, and, and in 2007, I published it today. I'm like, I asked Susie, I said, well, do you have to ever ask somebody what their complexion is? And she said no, and that's when she said because she only, you know, she'll go after people who are coming out of certain colleges or certain fraternities and sororities that, that sort of guarantees it. So she's... Uh, uh, it doesn't have to ask that question. Anything else, or Ernie? But, but, for I wish you would have called sooner. You're a you're a fun uh, interlocutor. Anything else no, for, I, for I, the great Glenn Go ahead. But the other thing is that a lot of these folks that come out of them that are diversity are low income, and to join a sorority 
it can be pretty expensive. So, you know, you, you probably don't want to just concentrate on, on, on that. You want to look at oh, other things got you, like Glenn. organizations. Uh, I didn't get yeah, there. He's got you. It's the end of the show. You're lucky you don't have to answer, but economic <laughs> diversity. Glenn, I hope you yeah, come back. Uh, I'll ask Ernie to come earlier, and he's more interesting than I am, okay? Glenn, good. with a double end Goobacker. Thank you. All right, so 18 years in the industry, started with a family firm, uh, recruiting industry. Oh, there you have it. Gary, wake up. You recommended this guy. Go ahead. I mentioned it offhand when I was in a drunken stupor. (laughs) Don't ask Gary for advice after 5 p.m. Okay, go ahead, Brian. Oh, my God.